All right, everybody. So we're on the line with Jose Perez. He is a four and one professional mixed martial artist fighting out of Cage Fury Fighting Championship. Um, he has a fight coming up on October 30th against Issa Dalipaj at CFFC 102. So how you doing, Jose? I'm doing good. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you guys, too. Yeah, so um, I guess we'll get it started, and we'll talk a little bit about before you got into professional MMA. Um, what do you think was one of the most difficult obstacles you overcame, like, on the come up as an amateur before you got into pro before CFFC, was there anything specifically difficult about going through those amateur ranks or just building yourself up to get ready to fight as an amateur? Um, so huge. There's a bunch of things with that. So I've done martial arts my whole life. Um, but that pace and the, and I think the showmanship that gets involved once you actually start fighting, um, is different. It's crazy. So, so you're used to fighting. I fight my friends every day. You know, I call them my fight friends. Yeah. Um, I can, I can punch them. They can punch me. Everything's fine. There's no fear. There's no nervousness. But once you start adding the lights and, and you kind of start adding like a pressure to the situation, it, it completely changes. So I'd say getting over the fact that every fight isn't a literal fight. It's a, it's a sporting competition. So, so kind of trying to approach it from a skill standpoint, uh, instead of like a literal like fight fight like someone's robbing me, um, <laughs> so so trying not to fight like a street fighter, I'd say, and and that's something I still kind of deal with right now. So I only had three amateur fights, and and if you looked at them, it was minute and a half, fourteen seconds, and then a four minute fight. Um, not a lot of experience as far as the amateur career goes. Mm -hmm. So, so it's still something I'm developing now. And, and I guess like the biggest difference I noticed is, is yeah, experience plays a, a huge role in, uh, in moving forward. You, you fight completely different once you have experience and you've done it before. So it really is amateurs required just so that you can get your feet wet in a safe environment where no one's throwing elbows at you. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, just, I guess really just getting used to the fact of what we're doing, plowing the pill. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty <laughs> nuts. We're, you know, strip your half naked, cover you in Vaseline, throw you in the cage, and uh, fight that guy. It's it's pretty nuts. Yeah, um, I, I've actually heard from some other people around the area that like getting used to the lighting inside the arenas when you're an amateur is it like a big adjustment with like all the lights and because I heard it, it just like it feels different because of what the way like the lights are and everything. Is that true? Yes, yes, and so. This is like uh this is going a little more in detail. So when I fought on the amateur scene, you're always gonna have it's an amateur scene, so it's gonna be lower production. They're not gonna spend as much money on it. Not a big deal, you know. That's to be expected. But boy, those halogen <laughs> lights are hot, hot. Damn. Okay. When I used to fight at the Hammond Civic Center, that place used to be burning hot, and I'd be on a black canvas, and like you said, all lights on me. Ooh, hot. This isn't really amateur. It got even worse for whatever reason. I think it's the white canvas and they have LED lights okay. for, for Cage Fury. Uh -huh. Man, it's like a dream. It's like the whole <laughs> everything's white. Everything's so bright. Yeah, that one for sure. Cage Fury. I thought I'd be a little bit more like uh, used to it at that point because I had dealt with those lights in Hammond already. Mm -hmm. But man, going in there and it's like solid white. Everything's white. My gloves are white. I'm like, this is this is too bright. 
like you just walked into the matrix or something. <laughs> is it is it harder to like, you know, judge the distance when you're fighting the guy too because of how bright it is, or do you kind of just not even think about it when you're in the middle of the fight? No, I don't think about it. Uh, every time I start to fight, I always start to think about that. Like I gotta get my distance, and I'll start to think about things like that. Like you know, getting the game going. There's always like a you know a split second moment where I'm like, forget my French, but holy shit, this is it. Like, this, this is a real fight. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't think that I'm so fixated on like little details like the lights. I'm, I'm aware of it, but no, I can't. Uh, my mind's going so crazy that I'm not thinking about little things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we'll talk a little bit about you as, as like, you know, your training and your train over at G2. Is that correct? Yes. So who, who do you, would you say are some of your toughest training partners or like when you're getting ready for a fight and you're in, in uh, training camp leading up, who are your go-tos for your like training partners, your sparring, your rolling, your grappling? Who are the people you like to go to the most to get you ready for uh, your upcoming fights? Oh, man. So the beautiful thing about the gym, uh, so I've been to other gyms. This gym in particular is a fight gym fight-based we're not a we don't specialize in jiu-jitsu i think originally we did specialize in wrestling so everybody kind of has that base style but no one at this gym is uh is is a one-trick pony everyone's kind of got a deep game but yes like you said we i'm always going to pick favorites for for who i go for just because i'm gonna want those looks you know yeah um i'm lucky to say that i have everybody in my gym like for the most part we're all within similar size we're all between that like you know, 35, we've been at a 125, but I'd say like the majority is between that, like 35 to 55 okay. you know, range right there. So I got a lot of options. Um, Bo Samanego is probably the main guy I train with, period. Okay. Um, he, uh, I'd say he helps me with my boxing the most. He, he's the only one who really lands like really clean strikes on me. Um, Isaac, I'm not going to say I work on my wrestling with him. I will say he destroys, he destroys me in wrestling. <laughs> my yeah, Isaac. I really don't know a better wrestler than him. Um, it's amazing. His name's Isaac Watkins. He's okay. an amateur, soon to be pro, defeated also. Um, he only him for my wrestling. Has another brother, Harvey Twister, and uh, he basically coaches and kind of sets me up with moves, makes me put my feet where I need to be. You know, has me drawing like correct behaviors for the shot. <laughs> And then I try to go practice him on Isaac, his brother. Doesn't really shake out of my favor, but <laughs> it's good to have those looks. Yeah, I got um, Jiu-jitsu, I probably go to Bo also. Skyler is a guy at my gym. Skyler okay. Lindsay, he's also a professional fighter at my weight class. Okay. Um, he's good for my jiu-jitsu, my wrestling as well. Um, really, those three, those three, four guys, they really help me the most. Uh, I hate to leave out names in my gym just because it is a it is a town. It's a village that puts it all together for me. But but definitely the guys who frequently more consistently mm-hmm. and give me more like one on one time would be would yeah be Bo Samanego, Isaac Watkins, Calvin Watkins, Skyler Lindsay. Okay, yeah, that that's cool. So basically, like every area of the fight, whether it's boxing and kickboxing, wrestling or jujitsu, you kind of have your bases covered with a specific guy for that area. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay. Well, um, where is G two? You're low. It's located out in. Uh, it's it's in Harvey or no? No, so it's kind of a weird thing. It's just by coincidence. I grew up in Harvey, okay. and so did all these gentlemen that I trained with. Uh, basically, everybody has named. Um, 
so just by coincidence, we all ended up at the gym. It is close to Harvey, so it's not that crazy. It's in Country Club Hills, okay, uh, Illinois. Okay, but but yeah, I, I remember like I said I used to do this my whole life. I've done this since I was a little kid, and I was completely unaware that there was other individuals in my neighborhood that were also training and doing this stuff. So uh, it kind of came together last minute. It wasn't right at the beginning of my uh, you know fight career, but at the beginning of my pro career that I ran into them, and lucky to lucky to have done that. Yeah, it's always important to have a good foundation, you know, and have have your bases covered in all areas. Because some gyms, you know, there's they're primarily a striking gym, and then you have to go somewhere else to get your jujitsu, and then you might have to go somewhere else to get your wrestling. So it's always nice to have specific partners for you, the certain areas of the fight in one place, so you don't have to worry about yeah. traveling back and forth. It's just kind of a situation where yes, we all fill each other's voids. So so even though Isaac take me down at will, once we do get to the ground. Now it's my world, and that's kind of where I can teach him a lesson, and, and he can grow than I do situation. Right. So, yeah, you know, pays dividends. We kind of reciprocate off each other. So everybody's got their strengths, and everybody's got their flaws, and, and, and when we all work together, we're stronger than we'd ever be apart. Right. Um, well, let's talk about your upcoming fight. So you got the fight against Issa Dalipaj on October 30th at CFFC 102. And uh, what are your thoughts on Dalipaj as an opponent and – do you consider this matchup to be kind of the quintessential striker versus grappler in terms of the game planning? And just give me your overall thoughts on the fight in and of itself. You got it. Um, so I have nothing but respect for the guy. I um, When I originally was coming back to fight, so, so not to uh, make it too sentimental, but coming off a loss, so I've never lost before. Okay. And uh, I lost by knockout. So with that being I could have went to one, two of one way, you know, one of the ways and could have requested something a bit easier, kind of a tune-up fight, get a win under my belt. You know, God forbid I lose twice in a row. That'd be the worst thing ever. Um, and, and yeah, maybe got a tune-up fight against someone that I could outstrike and, and maybe pick apart and build my confidence and do all those things that athletes and coaches love to do. But I'm not an athlete. I'm a martial artist, and I do this as expression. I do this for myself, and I lost, and that sucks, and that burns me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to waste my time coming back for an opponent that, when I win this fight, I want to feel as if I want everything to be the same for me. I want to feel as if I never lost a beat. If I go and fight someone who's okay, that's gonna, yeah, that's gonna put a smile on my face. But when I drive in the car by myself, when when I'm alone with my thoughts. That's not going to push me to believe that that I did everything I should have done, that that I overcame. Mm-hmm. So I actually asked for someone named Tim Kwamba. He uh, he had fought the same that I fought, and he put on an amazing performance on a really good fighter okay. uh, named James Lyons. Mm-hmm. He just looked clean, crispy. He was 3-0 also. I requested him. Um, he was busy. He had to fight for uh, Combat Global. So I think they went by the record because he was 3-0. Okay. And they had Issa Dalapaz waiting, <laughs> waiting in the records, also with a 3-0 record and, and kind of similar style with the striking and wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so they offered me him, and same thing. I'm not going to say no to it. That's an excellent fight. Um, another undefeated opponent shows I'm not taking a step backwards. I'm still pushing forward. I'm still reaching for the best competition that's within reach. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and yeah, I wanted to make sure that I have something to prove, you know. Mm-hmm. And when it's something, I do believe, kind of going to the second question of your question, as far as the striker versus grapple aspect, I think that 
we've shown the things that we are showing, but we're still really early in our game. Yeah. Um, he's gonna his game has sides that you guys haven't seen just for lack of comfort. Maybe a truly hasn't used. Same with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be generic and somewhat arrogant for me to say that I'm an excellent striker because I haven't really shown it, but that's something that I really plan on showing. Uh, you can't die for the legs. I feel like everyone's like, oh, you got to take him down, you got to take him down. And it's like, that's true. And I will. Yeah. But at my own pace. So mm-hmm. I'm going to strike. We're going to stand up. We're going to do our thing. Um, when the shot's there, I'll take it. But I'm not going to force anything. So at this level in the game, I think he's pretty well-rounded and I'm pretty well-rounded. So he's going to need to do what he needs to do to avoid the ground. And I'm going to do what I need to do to eventually get it there. But uh, but yeah, I think we both have a game a game plan for everywhere this fight takes. I think he's got good wrestling defense that that could possibly stop my shot. I think my offense could be enough to get him down. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, I don't think that I have to take him down. I think that if the takedown fails, I think I think I've got what it takes to stand up with him. I think I can I think I can get him out of there. I think pick him apart. And uh, same with him. I've seen him, and, and he hasn't really shown any jiu-jitsu, but, but I see his movements. You know, I watch his fights, watch tape. Mm-hmm. He, he looks solid on the ground, and he's got a good jiu-jitsu coach over there, uh, Daniel Gracie. Mm-hmm. So, solid jiu-jitsu. He seems well-rounded to me. Yes, he's favored the striking, and yes, I favored the jiu-jitsu, but I think it's going to shake out a little different than everybody expects. Yeah, is it... Uh... Is it almost like fun to have those matchups that people may think of as striker versus grappler? Because like you said, you guys, since you know primarily where each of you are going to take it, you get a little bit of an extra opportunity to show like different fa- uh, facets of your game because that's kind of what everybody's expecting. You to grapple him to strike, but you want to show a little bit of everything. Is this a fight where you think we're going to get a little bit of everything from both of you guys? Yes, I, I wholeheartedly believe his fighting style plus my fighting style regardless of what you believe you know if if his side of the group is watching this or listening to this they would say he's gonna win because of this this and this and i'm gonna win because this is this but one undeniable fact that i think that i've reached and and i hope that he reaches is that uh that i'm a scrapper i'm, I'm jay squabbles i'm a squab and from what i've seen from from isa he he's a fighter he's gonna go in there he's gonna get nasty we're gonna fight um, so regardless of who you think is going to win, I believe it's going to be an excellent fight. I believe regardless if I win or he wins, the fans win. Yeah. It's going to be an excellent fight. It's going to be a barn burner. Like you said, it's going to be, a and that's really what I want is, uh, these, these, these fights are, yes, we want to win, but like I said, not a lot of experience in the amateur game, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've got a two minute fight, another two minute fight. Uh, a 11 second fight. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, am- the pro career is kind of going to how the amateur career. So I'd like to get some good opponents and yeah, spend some time in there and really get challenged, get pushed, and and hopefully get pushed in in all facets of the game. So that's experience, you know, more experience for me. Yeah, 100. percent I think you you hit it on the head, and uh, you know, you seem like a guy where you want to get challenged because even you, you mentioned it already, like when you're alone, when you're sitting in the car, maybe you're home alone, like you don't want to have to take in the easy road because then when you get to a certain point in your career, people are just going to start to pick that apart. So if you take the the highest level of competition on your way up, yeah, you might get a loss here, a loss there, but at least you didn't shy away from any of the tough competition. 
Yes, and and that's the difference between ego and pride. So, ego is is this alter image that you have of yourself and 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 you're in the public eye, what everybody sees. So yes, people are worried about their ego. They're going to fight easier opponents, and they want to get that four and oh five and oh six and oh that that boxing level. You know, just complete mm-hmm. tin cans underneath them. Mm-hmm. But hey, I'm I'm undefeated, and that's excellent. Um, I'm at six fights in 13 months, and and three out of six of them have been undefeated opponents yeah. from from all country. So I'm not doing this uh, for everybody else. I sat on the couch for a while. I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, there was a gap between my amateur career, my pro career, where I just sat there and didn't do anything and felt frustrated with myself and kind of stuck. Okay. And uh, I got off the couch, and I didn't get off the couch to take the easy road. I didn't get off the couch. To, to fight tin cans, I got off the couch because I believe that I'm something special and I really want to show it. And the only way I'm going to do it is if I put my ego to the side and skip those fights with those easier opponents. But I do put my pride on the chopping block. So ego is what people see and pride is what you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm more worried about my pride. I'm not worried about what people see, what people think. I'm worried about what I think. Yeah. When I drive, when I'm alone, like you said, I want to know that I fought the best. When I, when I sit down, when I'm an old man and this is all over and all I have are my stories, I don't want to talk about beating that one in four opponent. I want to talk about beating that guy that I was supposed to beat. I want to talk about beating the guys. I want to talk about the wars that I had, the, the things I had to do, the, the achievement, you know? Yeah, 100%. So, um, well, let, let's talk a little bit about the other guys who come from the CFFC, you know, CFFC is kind of a breeding ground for a lot of the up and comers in the UFC right now. I mean, we even talked about your opponent, Issa Dalapaj. He trains out of uh, Gracie Philly, which I believe is the same gym. And his training partner is Sean Brady, who's undefeated yes. in uh, MMA. He's got a huge fight coming up against Michael Chiesa, but you look at him, you look at uh, Paul Felder came out of CFFC. You look at the current bantamweight champion, um, Eljamain Sterling, you know, seeing how successful those guys have been going from CFFC to the UFC, does that give you extra motivation for these fights? Because you know, Hey, you might only be one or two wins away from getting that famous call from the boss or the call from Dana White to maybe hop in on a, on a short notice fight or jump into a card that's coming up because somebody can't make the weight. Is this kind of just extra motivation because you know, like, Hey, I win this one. I know you're focused on CFFC right now, but you could be one or two calls, you know, wins or fights away from getting that jump to the UFC. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of goes hand in hand. So I, I don't do this for money. Like I said, I do this because I'm a martial artist. I do this for pride. I'm not worried about ego, but to some extent I have a normal job that I work in the morning and I would love to be able to get rid of that. Not that uh, it's the worst job in the morning. You know, it's not the worst job. I love it. Yeah. I am meant to do meant to do and that's martial arts and uh i'd love to get to a point where i could be a full-time fighter and 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 fight my wars and get everything you know prove everything i need to prove to myself and and to my daughters and my family and and prove my supporters right and at the end each but uh i know that i need to get to ufc status to afford to be able to be a full-time fighter and uh because eventually i can't uh it's not (laughs) You all is not the greatest job. I'm eventually going to have to move on. And uh, and it's really, at this point, am I going to move on in my UFC career, you know, to a UFC career, or am I going to move on to uh, a, a, maybe a bit more 
invested job like like a union or something like that where, where I'm going to have to kind of start to rob time from my training to invest into that. And I'd kind of like it to go the other way. I'd rather spend my time doing the gym. And, and yes, like you said, CFC, extremely tough opponents, like caliber of opponents that I was never going to fight if I would have stayed on the path I was. And I got into CFFC, and it's not the path of least resistance because I'm going the most resistance there, but it's the quickest path. I think being on UFC Fight Pass, I've been blessed to be able to have done things like the banana split that, that kind of got people looking at me uh-huh. and, and you know, where normally they wouldn't look twice at me if I was fighting guys in a lower level and I, I wouldn't have access to the opponents that I do now. So I can beat these really tough guys and, and get pushed ahead, but but I got to be able to beat those tough guys, so I got to put the work in. So it's a lot of work. Yes, I'm real. It's it's CFFC, so I'm right there. I've seen I've seen almost half the roster get picked up from the contender series just this fall alone. So yeah. So I'm waiting for a I'm waiting for a call, or I'm waiting for my my call to the contender series next fall. So I just got to keep proving that I'm special. Right, right, and exactly like you, you're right there. You know, a couple more wins and. You could get a call. You could get a call after this fight. I mean, you never know. It's I could if I, and that's what I'm. That's what I look at. I train my. I'm training my butt off because I do know that that it's right there. It's, I'm on the cusp of something. It's it's all or nothing. You know, these fights mean everything, and and that's why I'm not taking the eat route. I'm making sure that when I do get the call, when we go over my resume, and I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. You wanna you wanna take the quickest path to greatness, but the quickest is usually the hardest path. So you know, mm, and boy, it has been hard. <laughs> yeah, it has been hard. I've been fighting every other month, uh, and and against no you know no slouches. So it's been tough. It's been I've been putting a lot of work in. I'm real proud of how far I've came. It's a fast time, and but I understand that it's not over yet. Yeah, not even close. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, something that's pretty interesting. Um, today is actually the one-year anniversary of Habib Nurmagomedov's retirement uh, from at UFC 254, where he submitted Justin Gaethje. And I figured this was right up your alley because, like we've said, you know, you're a grappler in your own right. You're a grappler at heart. Um, what do you feel it was specifically that made Khabib so dominant? And I'm not saying like the wrestling, the grappling, the top pressure, because you know, like that's kind of what he did in all of his fights. It, it was kind of the same story. He gets a hold of you. He takes you down, you know, beats you up, peppers you up, and then chokes the life out of you or rips your arm off if you're Michael Johnson. But um, was there something that he did during these fights and, and something that you noticed because you're you're a heavy, heavy grappler that you feel like doesn't get talked about enough, you know, from his rise, you know, never losing a fight. But was there something specific that you noticed where you're like, man, I feel like people don't talk about this enough when it comes to Habib. Um, well, to be honest, I, 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 if I had to pick something apart solely, I believe skill is, is going to be the factor. So you said don't talk about top pressure and stuff like that, but, but the, his skill and literally what he does mm-hmm. was what made him so dominant. You know, there's other factors that are involved, so I'll kind of cover those. Like they say for, you know, majority of the time in the MMA, if you're a champion, you probably started with a base style of wrestling. Yeah. I don't think that that's specifically just because of the ability to take people down and, and, or, you know, defend the takedown. I think that there's a mindset and an approach to wrestling that's completely different. You know, I spent a time doing jujitsu followed by a large portion of my life doing wrestling. Mm -hmm. And now I've kind of continued that. And 
I'm surrounding myself in a gym with predominantly wrestlers. So I'm kind of the odd man out. But with that being said, I kind of get to see wrestlers. And, and that's a tenacious, disgusting, hard-nosed, starving dog in the alley approach to fighting. Yeah. Um, two points in most sports, like, you know, jiu-jitsu can go up to four points. Two points normally isn't the biggest deal. And I feel like in jiu-jitsu, especially in modern-day jiu-jitsu, we're really quick to give up takedown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they see the worth because they're just looking at it from the standpoint of that's only two points and I'm on my back and that's somewhere I'm comfortable with. But, yes, being on top in MMA is super important. But we know as wrestlers, we do the things that other people don't. Like, if you get shot out, so you're in your high school wrestling match, your college wrestling match, you just got shot out of the circle, you got to go back to center. My coach taught me to sprint, sprint back, get to the center, show you're not tired, break his will. And that's exactly what I'm saying. That two points isn't just worth two points. That two points sets the tone for the match and starts to kind of deteriorate your opponent's, like, mental ability and confidence to, to keep going fight they don't believe in themselves they don't believe there's a chance they could win and it's all set up off that first shot so i think just his approach to fighting his tenacity that that breaks people's will so i'd say that is the biggest non-technical you know no not skill related thing that, that he does that is a big difference so i don't think that wrestlers are just the best because of the takedowns it's, it's that approach mm-hmm. wrestlers approach fighting completely different than every other martial artist i'd say that's the biggest one but it is it is i believe that top heavy grappling is is the key to mma period yeah i think i think you're right and it's interesting that you talked about the mindset because you know wrestlers if you make it through high school wrestling if you make it to a high level in college wrestling like there's nothing more physically taxing and mentally draining than being a wrestler i mean uh, you just see it from people. I mean, the, you know, they're constantly cutting weight. You're you're in the room with everybody who's trying. They're basically trying to rip your head off in the practices. I mean, it's it's just constant go 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 go. And you, when you're wrestling, it seems like you don't have a ton of time to you know think about things because you're always on to the next thing. You're always trying to cut weight. You're always in the training room getting ready for your next match. And you might have two or three matches in in you know one day because of the tournaments and stuff. So. Yep. I think the mentality of wrestling and the reason they're so successful in, in MMA specifically, I mean, look at the champions right now. Usman, heavy wrestler. He's, he's getting better with his striking, though, you know. Um, I mean, 145, I wouldn't consider Volkanovski a wrestler, but he definitely can wrestle. Oh, he, no, he definitely. Yeah. yeah definitely. He, I'd book him in there. That's definitely his wheelhouse for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. It was all 14 champions out of 14 weight classes that were uh, – that were you know wrestling based no we can't we don't exist in a world where you can rest that wrestling base and i think that you know once you get that wrestling approach that mindset and you start to apply it to other things like jiu-jitsu or striking it's different you you approach it differently you pick it up faster you're a little bit meaner you're you're okay to do the things that hurt to, to get there yeah i i think i think you're right on the head and um hold on one second all right, so we were talking a little bit about wrestling, talking a little bit about Habib's, you know, mentality. That was one of the most important things. Um, I want to get back to you and, you know, your career specifically. Everybody has the quintessential dream fight. You know, 
There's there's one guy in the back of your head, whether it's your weight class, a weight class below, a weight class above, that you know everybody you know everybody has one. Everyone has a dream fight. Even if you're training and you're a kid, there's always somebody who you look up to, somebody you'd want to go against. Who is your dream fight in mixed martial arts? Do you have one name specifically that you're like, man, I'd love to fight that guy one day? Um, for the longest time, it's been Khabib. Just don't think that that's gonna match up. Uh, yeah. Time <laughs> and uh, and I have a hard time dreaming about things that are like completely just like really far fetched. Yeah. Uh, so so like me being a superstar, I don't daydream that. I'll daydream me winning a fight, something within grass, something realistic. Uh, so for a long time it was Khabib. That's the the main guy, and I'm not saying that I, I'm even saying I would beat him, but I haven't really seen Khabib go against someone uh, with a jiu-jitsu style that's like more old school. Yeah. Um comfortable off their back but i'd say the difference between when i always say this old school new school is is the goal of new school is catching submissions on the fly ryan hall would be kind of in that okay he's not going to be in a dominant position when he catches you he's probably just going to catch something like real quick on the fly and and you're not going to be too late it's it's scary it's a very scary approach because because you don't see it coming it's like tiger if a tiger attacks you you're probably not going to know what happened. Yeah. That's yeah. literally something I said. So I'd say that. What? Me? Uh, I don't know exactly what it would be like to be mauled by a bear, but <laughs> my goal when I'm on bottom is, yes, I'm going to I'm gonna exhaust my efforts and, and shoot those uh, shoot those submissions up. Yeah. You know, saying you're not going to land the third or fourth punch if you don't throw the first two. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to throw those and, and get a response, start to get a read. But my main goal from on bottom is to get on top. Yeah. And my main goal while on top is to get to the four point positions of jujitsu and, and that's you know mountain mountain the back. So I'm not the jujitsu guy who would just yes, a Ryan Hall would have the ability to fend for himself off his back against the Khabib, but that's playing the game where you're best at and where he's best at. Right. So it's really is he better at his game or are you better at yours? Um I think like me or someone like a Damian Maya, if he if he was the size, could uh could yes get taken down. I don't think I think the game plan has been to try to stop Khabib's takedown, and it's not going to happen. So I think the ability to fend off your back and no, I'm not going to take him down, but I could him. Yeah, my arm drag him and get behind, you know, mm-hmm. or or a Damian Maya, someone you know really experienced, um, could do that. A position based jujitsu guy, I think, would be the only way to beat. Khabib yeah. you're not going to stop a shot and and if you have hands and, and you can strike that's perfect but you probably end up on your back so being able to be comfortable where you're comfortable where you know where you're going to end up mm-hmm. with the goal to put Khabib in a situation where well, I think that's the best way to go but that fight will never happen we'll probably never see it I don't think Khabib is going to be someone who comes back and and fights anybody yeah but the yeah, I that's the only style we didn't see Khabib against, and and I think that's the only that was our last hope. Not saying it would have won, but but that was the last hope. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I agree. I think that's something I've always thought about because like the heavy puncher, sure you got a puncher's chance to catch Khabib, but nobody's ever really been comfortable in the position where Khabib is comfortable. And I think that, like you said, it would give him some problems because you know you're not going to be afraid to be on your back. You're not going to be afraid to go for things against Khabib and 
with Khabib, it's kind of like once he gets step one, he's to step five and you're still thinking about how to stop step one. So it's like, I, I really, really, really wanted to see him fight Charles Oliveira. Not to say I think that Charles Oliveira is a great wrestler because I think we've seen multiple times that he's not. But I mean, I think just off of his back, I don't know. I think Khabib and Charles Oliveira would have been a fun fight. And especially now you see what he did to Chandler and he's got Poirier coming up. I mean, I don't know. I, I really wanted to see that. I honestly thought Justin Gaethje was going to give him a lot harder of a time than he did. And the way he just kind of, once it got to the ground, Gaethje was just lost. I mean, I, that, that was really impressive to me. I mean, he, yeah, you're not going to, you can't match Khabib. Like you're not going to beat Khabib with a Khabib. That's not a fight fire with fire because Khabib is a, a veteran and extremely insanely abnormally skilled does and you're not going to match him in that so so putting him against fighters with similar a similar game plan as him it's not going to work even you know i guess i'm saying a wrestler it's not going to work you're not going to out wrestle this wrestler yeah. so if you are a wrestler it's almost like a, a good wrestler would look worse yeah. against khabib just because they're not going to be able to match him and that's something they so heavily rely on so if you put him against someone who can operate off the back and yeah get to his back possibly and put him in a situation where he doesn't want to be without because we've never seen Khabib on bottom yeah we can take him down yeah but a sweep we don't know what Khabib looks like off his back he's never been there yeah I I I think that's that you're completely right and um you know we'll talk about a little bit is there any fight specifically coming up I know you're focused on your fight I know that's the main thing in your in your sights right now is getting to October 30th with that fight at CFFC 102. But is there a fight coming up on these next two cards specifically, just one that you're really, really looking forward to? Maybe it's at UFC 267. Maybe it's at 268. Is there something specifically that you're like, man, I really can't wait to watch that. Oh, Rose and Wei Lee again. Okay. I, I, obviously Rose has a special place in everybody's heart. Yeah. So I'd love to see her, her and Wei Lee again. Simply for the fact that, yes, I got a soft spot in my heart for Rose, but Wei Li is a monster, and she got taken out before she could do anything. You know what I'm saying? Kind of got yeah. taken out. She didn't even get to fight her fight, so so yeah. we didn't really see them fight. We kind of just seen uh, an assault. Yeah, knowledge. yeah. Um, and those are fun. Those are always fun, but, but at a high level, I want to really see what'll happen and mm -hmm. there's a fight so there's some you know if, if two fighters were to fight 10 times mm -hmm. even though one is better that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win all 10 fights you know, right. it is a fight bunch of chance like you said earlier um so that was i'd say kind of fell under that puncher's chance we didn't actually see the fight kind of play out so i'd like to see rose still win but but yes earn it a little bit more and and, uh, and see a little bit more out of whaley and and maybe a little bit more of a back and forth affair uh for the win but but that whole card is <laughs> that yeah. whole card is awesome yeah um but but yeah rose rose got the special place in my heart yeah i i mean, I mean me too she's she's my favorite mma fighter you know women's mma fighter i'll say it's definitely rose it 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 I wouldn't say I was a huge fan of her when she like came up on the ultimate fighter and everything like that. But I think after that, I saw that Paige Van Zant fight where she just kind of, I'm going to say it. I mean, she basically bitch slapped her. I mean, it was <laughs> like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, discredit Paige Van Zant, but like Rose, that's where she really got the thug Rose nickname in my opinion. Cause she, she just bitch slapped Paige, Paige Van Zant. I mean, that's basically what happened. It was a one-sided 
destruction. And then, you know, after that, she knocks out, you know, Michelle Waterson or submits her. Actually, she dropped her with that head kick, though. And uh, I don't know. I honestly don't think I think when it comes to women's MMA, it's Rose and it's Valentina. And I don't think anybody can. T- I mean, I get And you have to put Amanda Nunes, obviously. So, yeah, Amanda Val, I, I'm going to put Rose above Valentina. I'm going to do yeah, it. I think it's more loved. She's superstar. Yeah. So it's like Amanda, Rose and Valentina. I don't necessarily think at the point Rose is at right now. I mean, you see what Whitman has done and that's one of Whitman's like first students was Rose. And then you look at what he's doing with Usman right now. Um, I just think Rose is probably the most, I think she's definitely the sharpest women fighter in MMA, in my opinion. Clean. Yeah. yeah. She's pretty clean. She's, she's clean across the board on the striking. Um, I don't know. Valentina's, Tough. I, I'm not going to say state my case on that one just because I'm yeah. making my head ripped off and yeah. I don't feel too strongly one way or the other. Right. It's really back and forth. But but I like I prefer Rose. But yeah, like you were saying, Rose and Valentina, um, there's a lot of girls like the Paige Van Zandt. Paige Van Zandt's a good fighter, but she's not a great fighter. The greatest fighter, I'll say. That sounds really rude to say. Right. Yeah. She's not really followed solely because she's an amazing fighter. She's gorgeous she's a beautiful girl and i think sometimes like women's fans fall prey to like looks alone and i think that like the valentinas and the rose yes they're pretty girls but that's not that's not that factor. that's not what's getting people there to, to look at them it's it's, it's really what they're doing i think that they've uh they've got skill that transcends beyond sexuality you know, or, 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 or your gender yeah they're not looking at her because she's beautiful, they're not looking at her because she's a, even small. They're looking at her because she's got slick movements, legitimate techniques that are working, and she's honed them for a long time. And you can see the experience every time she does what she does. And this is the same with Valentina. Moves that you see coming that you just can't stop. It's yeah. something to see. Um, so not to, to, to you know take anything away from the, the pretty girl fighters, but, but those girls that really, really, really just just devote themselves to the sport and the sport alone it's like uh it's pretty cool yeah <laughs> it's, it's amazing it's something something special and there's a connection that the fans get from that yeah and i just it's the same thing it's something about rose something ab- yeah it's just she, people love her she's just got i i don't know i think i think it's the i don't even know you're right it's just there's no yeah something about her it's the way she makes herself and then yes, she backs it up with the fight, so so you can't deny her. Yeah, I, I I think you're right on the head, and you know that's why Rose is my favorite women's MMA fighter. Um, definitely. Valentina's up there too, even after this past one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Man, yeah. I, I I honestly can't believe that that fight went as long as it did. I mean, Lauren Murphy's tough. She's she's tough, man. There's there's not. She's got just no matter what you throw at her, she's gonna keep coming forward. But. Mm-hmm. With Valentina, I honestly think there's one fight. I, I would love to see Valentina and Rose fight. That's one that I've wanted to see for so long. But I know they train together, and I know they've worked together in the past, so I doubt we're ever really going to see that. But And like we said, they're both superstars, so that yeah. wouldn't be in uh, yeah. Dana White's best interest to to basically knock one of them. Yeah. And I, Two's always better than one. Exactly. And I think like my favorite fight I'm looking forward to, it's probably... I'm really interested to see that Dan Hooker and Makachev fight just because like 
I don't know. I think Hooker can pull it off. I 100% believe he can pull it off against Islam. Not to say I know people are like, Islam's the next Khabib. To be honest, Islam is a better, is a more well-rounded fighter than Habib, but Habib was just better in the one area that Islam is dominating in. I kind of think that's yeah. what, but on the feet, I think Islam's a lot better, but that's definitely something you don't want to play around with against Dan Hooker. I, I would, yeah. <laughs> I would venture to say he's going to come in, faint a jab and shoot those takedowns right away. But um, the Peter Yan and Corey Sandhagen fight. Banger. I mean, that's the best fight you can make at 135. Um, I think it's that, and I also think that Jan versus Cruz, that's something I've really wanted to see for a long time. I know Cruz, you know, he he looked great in his last fight, but I know he lost to Cejudo. That one kind of stung for me a bit. I'm a big Cruz guy, but um, I think this Corey Sandhagen and Peter Jan fight, it's, if you thought that TJ Dillashaw and uh, Sandhagen was a good fight, I think they're going to up it this weekend. Yeah, I, I agree, and and. Yes, Dominic Cruz also kind of bouncing back and forth to that one. Uh, so well, my old coach used to fight in WEC, so I got to see Cruz kind of when he had the weird, like, bolt, like weird long hair, kind of looked like he had a bolt cut. Yeah. And he was just like, he just getting destroyed by all the team alpha male guys, you and I favor in particular more than once. Yeah. And, uh, and then he like cut his hair, changed his style and just came back like a savage. I don't really know what that was all about. Probably the biggest, uh, remake in, in history of the MMA, but yeah, just started like he was in team alpha male killer, like the whole team. Um, so yeah, soft spot. Yes. Him, him and anybody, Jan in particular, just because of the style would be pretty cool. Yeah. San Hagen, San Hagen and TJ Dillashaw was a banger. I kind of, I'm not so crazy on the topic of saying that, I know everybody's like, oh, secretly Corey Sandhagen won that fight. Um, nah, I don't really, I'm not going to state my opinion on that. But regardless, Sandhagen is a hell of a fighter. Like I was mentioning earlier about me and Iso, it's that come-to-fight approach. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, you got two guys with that come-to-fight approach. Regardless of, of stature and what they're coming off of, I just think it's going to awesome fight as I almost use my French <laughs> I'm excited for it. It's okay. Um, you could you could say whatever you want. I don't censor this, so you're good. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good practice for me to try to censor myself okay. as, as I do these interviews more. Yeah. Because not everybody's got the same protocol. Yeah. And uh and I will slip one in like I did right there. Yeah. Um but yes, yeah, super excited for that fight also, but the Wei Zhang and, and the and the Rose fight is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I think that's a perfect answer. And uh We'll wrap it up just in general, you know, like, is there anything specific that you want to touch on that we didn't get to talk about yet? It could be about your upcoming fight. It could be about you as an, a mixed martial artist, you know, you getting into the UFC potentially. Is there anything specific that you want to touch on that we haven't talked about yet? No, I think, uh, I think I've been doing a pretty good job of trying to, uh, you know, I don't really play gimmicks. I don't play themes. I, I am who I am. And I try to do things the way I've always done them and try not to let these, you know, outside influences affect what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really feel that I got to spread a message too much. I, I think that everything I said should, should really kind of hit the nail on the head on who I am. And, but yeah, the most important part that I got for this interview is coming off a loss. Yeah. It stung. And, and, uh, and I was nervous and, makes me more nervous now so it, it not to say a loss doesn't affect you but man i i'm that's really what i wanted to get across as a message on where my head's at i'm really going for going for broke and going for gold um 
just got beat by the hands. I picked out an opponent that's got a that's three and zero with all hand finishes, you know, standing finishes, breaking finishes. Yeah. I'm not afraid. I'm ready to ready to rock and roll. I just wanted to kind of express my excitement to do this, and you know, basically get the story out, man. I'm 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 ready to go. I'm excited. I'm revved up. I'm I'm ready to delete this loss. I'm ready to to move forward and and show that it was just a fluke. Yeah, exactly. You're ready to get back in the win column and move one step closer to either a title or uh, getting into the UFC or one of the other oh, premier organizations. They uh, they offered um. So you were mentioning that uh, Enzo Gracie Philly gym. I'd say that's the biggest gym out there for the uh, for the Cage Fear guys. Originally, it seemed like that was just kind of their show. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Pat Santini was the 45 champ that vacated the title. He's from that gym. The 155 champ was coming back off. He was. He was from that gym. Mm -hmm. um, the next guy in line who's getting the title shot uh, against an to-be-announced opponent, which I'm assuming is going to be me if I win. Uh -huh. uh, it's going to be in December, so it's not set. I'm just uh, I'm kind of putting it in the air right now because okay. I have a feeling. It's actually uh, Issa's training partner, Eddie Torres. Me and him have been... Uh, when I was 1-0, he was 1-0, and... And when I was 2-0, he was 2-0. We actually, the guy I did the banana split against, yeah. it's kind of a funny story. So Eddie Torres is really, uh, he's really in with, with Cage Fury and, and its owners. So he actually was working for Cage Fury when I fought uh, Jacob Dorn, where I did the banana split. Okay. And he was, uh, so as I'm about to walk out to my fight, Jacob Dorman's walking out to, to his song, and, and I'm kind of talking to these guys, they're escorting me to the cage. And, uh, Eddie Torres like, yeah, I fought that guy before. I'm like, oh, how did it go? You know, <laughs> hopefully it went well. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, Mr. Cocky guy. I'm like, oh, I'm barred. I'm so happy. didn't even have fun. I'm like, oh, okay, you got it. <laughs> You're trying to prove something. You're not just talking to me. Um, so I took that as a perfect opportunity to uh, one-up him or seven-up him with the banana split. So yeah. that was me. And I am going to use my French. That was me shitting on Eddie Torres. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then he's kind of followed the same, you know, he's always fought the, the day before, the day after me, and continued down the same path, and uh, the only thing that happened is he took a break, and I took another step against a 4-0 opponent, and I lost. So, I'm going to win this fight, and I'll be 5-1, and one, and he'll be 4-0, and, oh, and he's going for the title, they've already got his name down, I see no reason why I shouldn't, yeah. why I shouldn't be in that fight. I wanted to take a break and not fight every other month again because uh, this fight's October and that fight's supposed to be in December. But when I beat Issa, I know that's the next step. So regardless of the timing, uh, that's probably going to be my next fight. Yeah, knocking on the door for the featherweight championship I'm, over there. <laughs> mm -hmm. beat, beat, uh, I'm going to beat one guy from their gym, followed up with his teammate, Eddie Torres. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I like the confidence, man. Um. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, they can find you at J Squabbles. Is that on Instagram and Twitter? Yeah, Instagram and Twitter, J Squabbles. All right, man. Uh, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to get a chance to interview you. I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I did you justice for this one. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of it. I got everything I needed to say. Is there anything you wanted to say to me? No, sir. Thank you very much. It was nice to meet you, Mark. And uh, don't worry about me. Uh, if I mess up, that's my foot in my mouth, but I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with everything I said and, and everything we talked about and covered here. Um, yeah. I appreciate your time, man.
I appreciate your time too. Good luck at CFFC 102 on October 30th against Issa Dalapaj. Yes, sir. I'll see you after the win. I'll see you after the win, man. Thank you.